the 19th hole podcast presented by golf talk live and brought to you by perfect practice putting mat yips and survivor golf tee how do you measure yourself with other golfers by height it's a very very special honor i'm paula kramer and you're listening well we're waiting hi this is martin cove aka john crease from cobra kai and you're listening to golf talk live let the word go out from here across the land that Daddy Noonan uh, approves of the 19th Hole podcast. I was looking everywhere, boys, for my mullet, my Joe Dirt mullet. <laughs> but alas, I could not find it. So instead, I have to do the show open today with, it is that time of the year where I get my ceremonial, thank you for not going to Augusta National in 2023. <laughs> That email just came to welcome me home this evening. So, uh, folks, welcome once again, Golf Talk Live's 19th Hole Podcast. I am Alan DePue. I am joined, as always, by our panel. We switch some in, we switch some out, depending on where their travels, and we're going to find out a little bit about that. But Brendan Elliott, PGA golf professional extraordinaire, welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. Andy Hydorn, there is not a Gorsh books that he did not find, I think, except for at Presswick. And we're going to hear about that. Andy, welcome back from the other side of the pond. Thank you. Happy to be back. So why don't we start there? Let's just talk. We, we all know that we have a bunch of stuff we can talk about. Cam Smith, Liv, all that other kind of stuff. But let's hear about your trip abroad a little bit. Yeah, it was it was the trip of a lifetime, honestly. You know, it's it's uh, we played eight rounds of golf in seven days, um, played five British open courses or nice. sorry, open championship courses. That's we're not allowed to say British open anymore. You're not, um, but it, it was just, it was just, a phenomenal <clears throat> they're not, not going to invite us to the champions dinner now. Yeah. Yeah. With a phenomenal group of guys. And, and actually one of my friends who was with us four four of the guys stayed over and, tried to qualify for the senior British open and my friend, Brian Keenan, shout out, shot 68 qualified for the senior British open. It's teeing it up tomorrow. So cool. So cool. That is awesome. That's good stuff. So we got to talk travel. Cause we actually are adding a new segment. This, uh, we will have a traveling golfer sighting. Uh, Tony Leodora is going to join us later in the show. He is the traveling golfer the man, the myth, the legend. And he's, it's kind of like where's Waldo when, when Tony's around, but uh, he's going to, he's checking in from a new segment we're going to do called bucket list. And once a month, he's going to pop up someplace and uh, someplace that should be on a bucket list. But Andy, I heard a nasty rumor that you're minus a nine iron. I am <laughs> minus a nine iron. So, so as I, as I uh, set up in the left rough on the 12th hole at Troon to a, uh, Nice little nine iron shot. I make contact and I feel the head of my nine iron just go off. So my eyes immediately go left and I'm watching this thing in slow motion go end over end over end. (laughs) And where does it land? Right in the middle of the most dense gorse bush I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And, And I don't know if anybody's ever seen a gorse bush, a gorse bush close up. But there ain't no finding that. I, I had, I guarantee you, I had within a two-foot circle where that thing went in. No chance of ever getting that thing back. 
I bet it's not the only club head in there. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, and I just just got my irons reshafted before I left. So shout out to the clown that, <laughs> that reshafted my irons and didn't, <laughs> didn't use enough epoxy. Is that a uh, premature don't be that guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what were your highlights? You know what? The golf courses were were incredible. I mean, like Lytham and St. Anne's was our first day. It was incredible. And it, it, it was a surreal moment there, right? So we get there and, and Lytham and St. Anne's is kind of, it's in like a neighborhood and, it, and it's so unassuming, um, you know, when there's not an open championship there. So we we get there, you know, we go check in, we, we walk around the building and immediately I stop in my tracks because right around the building, right near the 18th green and underneath the, the overhanging deck is a place where, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but Gary Player was cheating his ass off on the last hole of the, of the Open Championship. He was like brushing sand away a la Patrick Reed from the back of his ball. <laughs> so it was, it was so surreal to walk around and I look at that spot and I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's where that happened. Um, and to be honest with you, the whole trip was full of stuff like that. Like, you know, Watson on the 18th hole at Turnberry and, um, you know, just so much, so much history and, and, uh, the golf courses were just, they were incredible. I mean, literally it was just, just the most phenomenal experience. But, but isn't that the, I mean, guys, isn't that the cool part about just golf in general and, and bucket list golf courses and what have you is you, you play these things and you're like, you know, when you go, you go to Pinehurst and you're walking down number two and you're like, this is where that took place. Or yeah. you try to recreate the Payne Stewart putt. Yeah. And, or you go to, or, you know, I had, I had the opportunity to play Pine Valley and you're just sitting there. It's Pine Valley is an amazing venue. I appreciate the opportunity to play there, but it's the mystique of Pine mm-hmm. Valley. Totally. Yeah, and it's when when you were gone last week, Andy. I was Tuesday last week at Bay Hill, which I've been to numerous times, and I don't, I didn't play this time. I just brought some of my kids out, and it never gets old. Every time I go there, that was never like the fourteenth time I've been there, and you walk through the clubhouse and see all the pictures on the wall, and you can glimpse in his office with the you know the door open where he. It's still the way the office was when he was still here. And the, the statue of him, I mean, you're, you're so on the money, Alan, that that's what golf brings us. It gives us all these very cool opportunities that are timeless. So watch how I'm going to do this one, Brendan. Oh, and is that, is that the pitfall of live? I, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, and, and that's, that's the understated pitfall of live now can they recreate any of that on their own maybe over a long period of time but you know i was having a social media discussion with somebody today about you know the golf courses is that is that is that translation for you were having a uh, twitter war or something maybe maybe. (laughs) (laughs) not twitter but but just going back with and forth with a guy that i actually like um but you know he was trying to trying to say that the venues at the lib courses are so great. And, you know, there's three U S venues that 
I've played that are coming up, you know, the international in, in Bolton, Mass, Doral, and um, Rich Harvest Farms in Chicago. And I'm sorry, but Doral, for example, is one of the most overrated golf courses I've ever played in my life. Mm. Uh, there's nothing magical about any of those places. All right. So Donald's not inviting us to go down to Doral now. <laughs> no, but you know what? His hotel at Turnberry was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, I actually I've heard the same thing that that actually uh it's it's doing extremely well and uh and, incredible. Yeah. I you know what I I'm gonna give you gotta give props, okay? I try to be an objective guy. I do like that Liv is showcasing different clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, there because there are some amazing venues out there in the world that people don't get to see on a regular basis. I do enjoy that part. I keep coming back to you, and Andy, I'll give props. You're the one that said it first. Here's my knock on Liv. I wish Christian was here because we could have some good banter on this one. Um, <laughs> my knock on Liv is where does any consumer ever sign up or buy something when you get 25% less? Yeah. I sent I sent around on our social media. I screenshotted a picture of Spam. which said 25% less sodium. <laughs> and I just changed the words to live and golf and, and what have you. Who would buy it? No one would buy it. But they're asking you to. Yeah. Are, are they even asking? I mean, honestly, if, if it just seems to me like, like all of their efforts are consolidated into luring players away with, with more money and less work. How's that? And, ever but but then they're flaunting the, in, in a, in a, in a life or in a uh, environment in the world right now, Brendan, wouldn't you agree that where everybody you're fighting two things, one, they're fighting against the man. Everybody hates institutions. So that's why they're fighting the PGA tour. You yeah. know, we're the rebel. You're the, you're the mainstay. We're going to take you down, but what do they do? Turn around and they go, Oh, but we're going to flash our dollars. You know, I'm going to flash my, our money that we're throwing around to, to every, in front of everybody. Personally, I don't care. I take it. I can't. I'll talk about that later. But um, I mean, I think that's their. I think that's their pitfall. There's just so much of this that could have been avoided with the nastiness and the and if if two people like Ernie Els when he said that, I don't know if that was today or yesterday. And and granted, I think Andy and our text back and forth with all of us that just would have never happened with the players involved with Greg Norman. But if there could have been in some adult conversation in the beginning, you know, maybe this would, wouldn't have not gotten out of control like it is. And, and, and the, the PGA tour honestly is looking bad too. Yep. You know, this isn't just a thing where, where lives, you know, the Greg Norman's the evil guy behind this evil movement the PGA tour is getting called out and they're probably, and maybe, maybe it's going to be for the better for the tour in the end. Maybe well, some things will get said that are being said and things will get taken care of. Retief goofs and his quote, or I'm, I'm paraphrasing was something to the effect of when does the sponsors start looking at it? These, yeah. these, these weakened fields and saying, what am I, where's my ROI? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I saw that too, and and I'm not sure that that I quite get that because I think the one knock that that I have on the PGA Tour is they play too much golf, right? 
So because they play too much golf, the fields are weak anyway. Um, and a lot of those players are interchangeable parts, right? It doesn't matter who they are. They're kind of interchangeable parts. So um, I think at the end of the day, it <laughs> it's just, it, it's more important that the, the who the players are is less important than, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the events themselves and where they're played and, and what they mean. And so I think the, the one thing that the tour is always going to have um, over Liv, because I just can't see how Liv would ever be able to incorporate this, is all the good that the tour has done for the local communities with every event. Yeah. They're never going to touch that. And that it, when, when you look at that versus anything else that's been said over the last couple months, the good that the game does that way, you know, is, is a, you got to give props for the PGA tour. Andy, I want your opinion. So Liv was still obviously center of stage at the open championship. You were over there. You, what's your thoughts on, you know, not inviting Phil, not inviting Greg 150th ceremony for the champions. And what was the feel in Europe regarding Liv? <laughs> Similar to what it is here, to be honest with you, and, and actually a little more. I, I don't think there's, at least from the people we talk to, there's there's not near the amount of anti-establishment people over there that there is here. And and to be honest with you, that to me is the vast majority of the live supporters. They're they're actually, you know, the PGA Tour, the authority, the Big Brother haters more than live supporters, in my opinion. There just seem to be less of that over there. And what's your opinion on the, the, the uninviting of former champions? I, I read that, that they left it up to Phil. And they suggested that he didn't come, but they left it up to him. Um, oh, that's now, see, I didn't see that. Brandon, did you see that? I, I didn't see anything really in regards to Phil. The big, big thing that I saw was obviously the Greg Norman thing where they right. did not want him to come. No. Again, this, this to me goes back to it's it's putting your feet in the sand and protecting your assets, right? So if if Liv continues to do what they're doing, they keep getting more players, and the RNA decides that they're not going to allow those players to play in the Open Championship, well, that does ultimately have a negative effect on the championship, right? So mm -hmm. I think they're just trying to protect protect their assets. That, that's valid. And does any do either of you guys know when any kind of decision is going to be made on uh, world golf ranking points? Well, I did find it interesting that you know there there, there was conversation or quotes about uh, was it Oosthuizen or one of those that's going to go to well they're just in mass they'll go play the Asian tour so they'll earn points during those events. Mm -hmm. And that's how they'll that's how they'll try to circumvent the the world golf rankings. I, I have not seen any kind of timeline personally, which kind of flies in the face of the reason they joined Live to play less golf, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean th th this is this is where you know Rory, Ernie, any of the you know you guys you've been saying this is where the adults in the room, if they've gotten together, and they just said. 
okay, we're going to play X number of tournaments and we're going to play it on a worldwide schedule and we're going to get more input from the players. And there you go. Would it have flown at that point? Probably should have, but I don't think the personalities, everybody's, you know. Yeah, I think it comes down to the Greg Norman thing. Everybody's got to flex, flex their um, yeah, you th- muscle. You, <laughs> you throw out as the leader of your organization, the guy that's been trying to take down the PJ Tour for the last 30 years. I mean, those are fighting words, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not that's not let's let's get get in a boardroom and figure this out so so neither of you see that ever coming to pass where there's ever going to be a discussion in the future if they remove norman which the saudis could very well do absolutely I mean, there was a rumor going around not long ago that they were doing that anyway i remember that yeah you know a month ago or so so, unfortunately, and, and I'm gonna, I want to touch on one more point with these guys before we get on to I thought was a really cool story. Um, we are recording on Wednesday. Show's getting out a little late uh, due to a number of reasons, folks. We apologize. Usually it's out Wednesday mornings. But the latest news is obviously Hendrick is going to live, mm-hmm. losing the captaincy. Brendan, I'm going to really inter- be interested in your opinion as a PGA member. I know that he's on the other side, but. And then um, you were just saying before we started recording that uh, Charles Howell and Kokrak, Kokrak famous for his uh, blow it in parking lot and keep on walking. <laughs> yep. So let's start with Hendrick. I mean, Brent, any opinion? I mean, life is about accountability and responsibility and making decisions and t- accepting those decisions. He knew if he choose, chose to go with Liv, He's walking away from being the captain of Team Europe. You know, I, I was read something, and maybe it was Mike Ritz uh, or somebody, one of his blog. I think it was him on LinkedIn. He shared his blog posts about this today, and he had a lot of quotes from Henrik when he was chosen as the captain for the Euros, and what an honor it was, and a lifelong dream as a child. You know, growing up being captain of following in the footsteps of Seve and this and that. And then this happened and you're just like, Hmm. And we were, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about profiles of a golfer uh, that would fit kind of this live mold and Hendricks kind of in that, you know, he's later in his career, hasn't really done much in the last couple of years. Um, But he, again, he was the Ryder cup captain for the European team, which is quite an honor. And to dump that, you know, for this, I, I'm just, there's just, there was guys going over that I could, you know, don't let the door hit you in the ass on your way out kind of thing. But then there's guys that I'm like, oh, I don't like that <laughs> they're making this decision. And he's one of those guys that I just didn't like. And Charles Howell's another one that I well, but, understand but didn't with like. Hendrick- with Hendrick, did you think it's because he looked at it and he said, I'm going to get smoked because in all likelihood they will? Uh, I don't even know if that played a part. When you throw a lot of money at somebody, even though they have money, and we're talking lots of money. Like Hendrick's we're talking, had a good we're, we're talking generational money. Here. Yeah, yeah. 
that change that can really change someone. And he's got two kids. One, you know, one of one of my own students, a brother of one of my students, is friends with with his son. Um, and and I've heard a lot of what a great person he is. And I don't doubt that. I still don't doubt that. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's just it's disappointing when something like this happens. But again, for all the people on social media that may say this to in, in comments when people post stuff, if you were given the chance to have a hundred million dollars or fifty million dollars or whatever, what would you do? <laughs> of course. Of course. You know, the other thing on that 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 bugs me a little bit is you know, people are all up in arms about you know the sequence of events here where where Henrik announces he's going to live in the European tour strips him of his captaincy. Well, I guarantee you the last person on this earth that was surprised by that is Henrik. And mm-hmm. he made his decision and, yeah. and it's a lot to say no to. So, you know, I guarantee you, he's not the least bit bitter about being pulled. You know, he, he probably had a difficult decision to make um, and he made his decision, but you know, it's no surprise yeah. And you, so you mentioned the other, you know, Charles Howell doesn't surprise me, fits the profile. Latter part of his career, journeyman, really never broke through to with his the talent that maybe he possessed coming out of college. But uh Andy, you you you've run into Charles a number of times, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Charles is a Greg Norman fan from the the time when he was when he was really young, um, like Greg was his hero. So, you know, does that play a part in this? I'm sure it plays a little part, but I think Alan, what you just said is probably way more relevant. The fact that where he's at with his career, you know, they called him the ATM for a while because he made so much money making cuts out there. But, um, you know, the reality is he didn't, he didn't win but I don't know. I know he won at least twice, but I don't know if he won more than twice. I think it was just twice. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, good for him. Good for Charles. He can go cash in and make a shit ton of money, you know? Yeah. And then and then the last one, the the, the latest to fall is uh, is uh, Kokrak. Um, kind of heard that that was kind of that was coming. I've always been I've been a big fan of his last couple of years. I yeah. thought his game was elevating. He was I thought. I honestly thought he maybe even should have gotten a pick on, uh, you know, he, he's a Ryder Cupper, future Ryder Cupper. But yep. um, I'm not surprised. And again, I guess go make the money, right? <laughs> Hell, Trump Trump told them all to go make the money. I mean, we haven't even touched, touched on David Faraday. I mean, that was kind of a shocker. I thought. Yeah. Maybe not. So – um, well, maybe maybe he's about to get overshadowed by Sir Charles Barkley. <laughs> true, true. But you know what? Okay, but here's the thing. I also just literally just an hour or so ago saw that they, they announced we've got our players. We're good. We're not bringing anybody else in until 2023. I don't not sure they really believe that because there's a big name looming out there, uh, Joe Dirt himself. But <laughs> um, which will let me get to that in a second. But I just this is an appropriate time to go hashtag. Where's um, Ogletree? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to keep that hashtag going. 
Right now, Andy Ogletree, former U.S. amateur champion, signs on with, with Lyft, did not, I believe, resign his membership from the PGA Tour when he did it. Did he ever have one? I believe he did, yes. He was on a injury uh, medical. Um, and where's he playing? He's at the Colorado Open playing for first place $100,000, which is real money. Don't get me wrong. But he made 120 to shoot plus 24 in the first event in Centurion. <laughs> so I'm guessing plus 24 won't get him the 100K uh, in the Colorado Open. Probably. probably. But let's talk about Mr. Mullen himself, Cam. I mean, does he go? Does he not go? There's all kinds of rumors. What do you guys hear? Not now. I don't think it's going to happen now, at least not in the short run. You know, we'll see what happens down the road. But you you had said that he's a contender for player of the year. Um, I think I still think Scotty's the front runner for that. But Cam's really making a case for himself. And and with that, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's he, he's on the PGA Tour for for the near term. Yeah, I mean, I you don't know what to believe anymore. You don't even know if there's validity to the rumors that he was considering going, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what to believe anymore. Well, what you can believe is he's a real dude because he was flying coach or <laughs> flying a uh, commercial, trying to put the claret jug up in over in the overhead, which I found amazing to me. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> and he confirmed that there's uh, that the claret jug can hold two beers. Yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. I just want to know were those Fosters or what, what kind of beer? How big of a beer were we talking about? They were 10 ounce Fosters. <laughs> All right. So, just a brief recap of the Open Championship good TV, good theater. Obviously, the establishment was pushing the Rory factor, and rightfully so. Rory's Rory's Rory. And yep. uh, I mean, you got to feel for him, right? But yet, but you acknowledge the fact that Cam just flat out played. You know, I, I saw a lot of people dogging Rory on his his putting, and yeah, thirty six putts on the final round is not going to get you very far. But I also saw a statistic, and I could be wrong, but I thought I saw this that he ranked second in the week in putting. So you know, you can say what you want about someone's putting ability as a professional. But I think it's more about your putting ability when it really matters. You know what I mean? And he he didn't get it done on Sunday when it mattered. He hit the ball great. But Cam is just fearless. I mean, man, between the the uh winning at Sawgrass and then this, this kid's this kid's fearless. I I agree, you know, and and I, I'd like to say this about Rory. You know, he did. He had 30, 36 putts on, on Sunday, 34 putts on Saturday. Uh, he hit 35 of his last 36 screens. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, there's a part of me that feels like he approached that last round, especially from a point of, of not playing himself out of the tournament. You know, yeah. he tried to strategically and tactfully work his way around the golf course, which he did. Um, and to be honest with you, the the kind of the feeling of playing from behind where Cam Smith was 
allows you to be more aggressive mentally and and in in your planning. And I think that plays a huge part in what happened because Rory tried to tactfully, and I heard heard Tiger was talking to him. He tried to tactfully work his way around the golf course. And you know what? He did. He did. And I, I don't know. I just I just feel like that's a big part of what happened is that you know, playing from in front, your your approach is just different. And Cam caught lightning in a bottle, and Rory yeah, you, was you, left you, play, the bag. He, you played not to lose, and in and in doing so, lost. And he brilliantly did that, right? You know, hitting eighteen greens. I mean, that's that's incredible. But it's just that, to me, that's a big part of what happened. That's a big part of what happened. I, I, and, and what's bizarre is, I mean. It wasn't like he was so far out ahead. It wasn't like I'm going to invoke Norman. It wasn't like it was Norman at Augusta where he had such a big lead and he could just coast or should have been able to coast in Norman's case. Um, I mean, he was he was tied with Hovland yeah. going into the final round. He had to play. But I I'm I'm guessing that Hovland's lack of of ability to get in the game probably put Rory even more at ease with what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I ju- I just feel like that's a big part of of how this thing all ended up the way it did. And yeah, I I also thought Cam Young had a great comeback because he was kind of a little shaky there at, at the start, but his back nine didn't he shoot thirty one on the back something like that? What, what, but yeah, and what a terrible way for him to finish Saturday. I, I think he went yeah. three over in the last four. Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible, though. He's a hell of a talent. Hell of a talent. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into another little segment here, which is – and I'm going to tie this in. Watch how I do this. I didn't actually not get to see that much of the final round. I actually had to watch the replay. I watched the other – I watched the second, watched the third round. Because I was up in Rochester playing at the member guest. And this is why I say Liv will not be calling me. <laughs> Because Andrew, our other co-host, who's sometimes here, sometimes not, most times not, he can flat out play. I'm, you're hearing a shout out right now, son. That that kid, he he hit one three seventy five. Wow! And had to use my tee shot because in the format is they had to use my tee shot a certain number of times. I let the kid down. You'll hear it first, but I got a question, Andy. Your stick, Brendan. You're a highly regarded teacher. How do you manage your expectations? Because I'm going to say this. I'm sure there's listeners out there. As you get older, managing your expectations as a player, because I got to tell you, I chopped it up like a Japanese steakhouse. (laughs) Go ahead, Brendan. I talk about this all the time with my juniors about managing expectations. And I think it's the most important thing for any golfer that's, a halfway decent player. And I'm talking to anybody that's maybe like a 12 or lower. We, we get these delusions of grandeur and some is, as we get older, we have them for sure based on what we used to have the capability of doing. And I think that's kind of where you're going, Alan. But the fact that we have played for so long and have been able to shoot good scores, I think is our biggest strength because we can, we can lean on that as certain parts of our game, kind of go downhill as we lose distance we can rely on our short game and our putting and you know it's it's like these old guys when i worked at uh, a little muni course in winter park these old guys in their 80s and 90s 
hitting it 150 yards at best off the tee. But from 100 yards and in, forget it. They were up and down almost all the time. And golf has so many factors where you can reimagine, like Bobby's company, you can reimagine how to do it. I like that plug. I like that plug, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he'll like that too. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many ways to get it done. And, And when you look at statistically, you know, where most of the scoring lies, that's in an area where as you get older and you lose distance, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you're losing distance because 60% of your shots, 65% of your shots are from 100 yards and in. So don't worry that you don't hit it far. And remember, when we look at some of these distance surveys that like the RNA and USGA did recently, people don't hit it as freaking far as they think they hit it. So, yes. Oh, trust me. I learned that. All I had to do is hit it on there's there's these these young guys can smoke it and they're hitting it farther than people have ever hit the ball before but it's still a very small percentage of golfers that have that ability to do that yeah Andy, would you like to uh dissect my uh from afar my lack of talent and inability sure let me let me take a crack (laughs) so so for me and I, 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 will, I will say this in all seriousness, I don't really have expectations. And every day is a surprise to me on the golf course. You know, I go, I go, I go up to the first tee hoping I'm going to play good. But, you know, every day is a surprise. And this year especially, I've had a lot, lot more bad days than good days. Um, so I, I, kind of, I kind of approach it as such, you know, like, whatever happens happens you know i'm i'm going to i'm going to hit a bunch of bad shots hit a bunch of good shots hopefully the good is more than the bad and that's a good day you know i think i think it's it's somewhat difficult to watch people who really get upset about some of the shots they hit when generally speaking you know they have no right to be upset right uh, and, and Alan, I guarantee you that if you went out next week and played in the member guest, you could, you could be the exact opposite. Of, Dude, I didn't even have to wait till next week. I, I was, I was Rory. I'm going to tell, I was Rory. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I put so much, I, he is, he is one of their better players at this, at the, at the club up there. And again, shot, my, my kid has made himself into a very good player. Christian will attest to that. Christian's a hell of a player. Um, I wanted to win for him. Yeah. I wanted to play well for him. And I chopped it up. And by the time we got to Sunday and we were out of contention, guess what? Old Allen shows up. <laughs> 260, 270, down the middle. Tee shots are, you know, only thing that wasn't showing up as well as the putting was actually that day. But I'm hitting greens. I'm chipping up. Woohoo! <laughs> don't don't you think that's more more about your your implied you know self-induced anxiety oh, it's, it's out it's absolutely yeah. and i think okay. that's the thing that you know again very accomplished player very accomplished instructor um i used to be able to get the ball around i mean 63 is my career low round I, I, there was a time that i could actually play but uh i i mean if i hit 15 balls uh in a week, that's a that's a good week. Um, 
But I mean, Brendan, how do you manage that anxiety? I, I just like Andy said, I, I'm like you, I, as much as I'm out there with, with my students, I rarely get to practice for myself or play for myself. And I have no business getting upset if I do play nine holes with a student and I hit a shitty shot. I have no reason to get upset. And the more I've learned that, the older I've gotten, the more freed up I get to be able to hit good shots when I don't practice. And I don't, you know, I think it's it's all about mindset. I think there's no sport on this planet that is any more about mindset than than golf is. No, no question about it. No question. It's just, it's just, it's the, it's the Holy grail. It's the, the kind of magic potion to any golfer is how do you get the best out of what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody approaches it a different way. And, you know, we, we'd all love to tap into that, that a game all the time, but you know, most of the time we're in our own way and that's why we don't. All right, folks, you're going to hear my, more of my lament of the senior golfer attempting to once again get back to par. But for right now, what we're going to do is we're going to take that game on the road. We're going to bring in Tony Leodora. He is at Beth Page for the new segment, Bucket List Golf Courses. Tony, take it away. Welcome to Tony's Bucket List, a new feature on Golf Talk Live. We've all had bucket list courses we wanted to play. You have yours. I have mine. The fact that I'm well over 900-some golf courses now, uh, I've played a lot of those bucket list courses, but there's still plenty of them out there. And the main thing we want to do in starting here is give you the opportunity to fulfill your bucket list. How about this one? Beth Page Black. Maybe there's some reasons you haven't played it in the past. We all know how difficult it is. There's even a warning sign before you start on the first tee about how difficult it is. Also, you've heard the stories about in order to get on the course, people sleep in their cars overnight in the parking lot. That might not be your cup of tea. But we've got a guy here that knows more about Beth Page Black then maybe even original architect A.W. Tillinghast. He is John Glozek, publisher of Long Island's Golfing Magazine. And even better, he can almost walk to Beth Page Black from his house. John, welcome to Golf Talk Live. Tony, it's great to be here. Boy, that was quite an intro. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, listen, let's face it. You are all things Long Island golf. And uh, Beth Page Black is one of the greatest places uh, I've been lucky enough to play it and also to cover some major championships there. But you have the inside scoop. And tell me how excited you are for what is coming up at Beth Page Black. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, I've been excited since probably 2000 when they had the 2002 U.S. Open Air and Tiger won. So it's been decades. And, yes, I could almost walk, but I – do ride my bicycle there. So it's, I used to live about two miles away, and now I live about eight miles away, and I pretty much pass it almost every single day. And you, what's coming up? Well, gosh, I mean, the, the 2025 Ryder Cup, 
Uh, you know, it seems like that might be a few years away, but boy, it seems like it's also right around the corner. So, uh, you know, post 2002, obviously some tour events at Beth Page, a PGA Championship there in 2019, and now the Ryder Cup coming. It, it, it doesn't get more exciting than that. I mean, I, it, I, it's going to be incredible. I can't wait to and, see that European team get a dose of New York golf fans, sports fans, or just New Yorkers, period. Uh, in that event, it's going to be hilarious. It's, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be loud. It's going to be exciting. And you know, I'd, like I said, I'm going to probably ride my bicycle there, and I can't wait for this. And, but it's just such a fabulous golf course. I remember when you know, Reese did the uh, – he calls it you – know, I wouldn't even call it a redesign – he kind of called it like I, I just polished up this, you know, beautiful Rolls Royce that's been sitting in the driveway for decades. Of course, we're speaking of polished it up. Yes, we're speaking of Reese Jones. The they call him the Open Doctor, but uh, he is the architect who did the redesign uh, of Tillinghast's masterpiece there, and, and did a great job. Um, so yes, <laughs> he and he I, certainly I, polished it. I, I like that you call it a masterpiece. I mean, Tillinghast did a phenomenal job if you think about when this was built. But I mean, there's so many things I like about the golf course that I really like. I mean, you know, every single hole, there's 18 different holes. Um, none of them really come by each other, maybe except for 10 and 11. Um, but they're very different holes. And it, whether it's the par threes, uh, whether it's 18, 17, is a phenomenal par three. Uh, it, it, it's just such a great test of golf. And the fact is that it's a public golf course. Yeah. And if I go to play it, it's $70. <laughs> a municipally owned and operated golf course, even better. Hey, John, we only have uh, less than a minute left, so we've teased our listeners enough. You have a way for them to get in and play Beth Page, part, Beth Page Black as part of a very upscale experience. Tell us. It is. It, it's, it's being presented by McAndrews and Smith. And if anybody wants to check it out, you could go to McAndrewsandSmith.com or you could give them a call at 516-741-0745. They're having an, a, an experience, they're calling it, uh, four days, three nights, staying at an upscale hotel called the Garden City Hotel. It's a round of golf at Beth Page and a round of golf at the Sea Wayne Club, which is a phenomenal private golf course down on the south shore of Long Island along the water. So it's a great experience starting on September 19th. It's a Monday for four days. You get a caddy, you get food, you get uh, all kinds of a goodie bag, a go away bag, dinners, transportation included. So just check it out at McAndrewsandSmith.com. It, it's and it's right near my house, so if you go and join them, give me a call. All right, folks, don't just take it from me. Take it from John Glozek from Golfing Magazine. This special experience at Beth Page Black, fulfill your bucket list. That's it from Tony's Bucket List on Golf Talk Live. And thank you, Tony. Always good to have the traveling golfer himself check in. Andy, Brendan, either of you guys had a chance to play Beth Page? No. Nope. I want to badly. I was I was there for the PGA Championship. Um, I mean, it's it's challenging. <laughs> so I hear. 
I'd like to sleep in my car and try to get a tea time one day. That would be fun. <laughs> I'd love to be a New York resident and pay like $29 to play it. <laughs> yep. Like, like I was saying, so I was up there for the PGA. Obviously, it's PGA Championship. They're playing it further back. I mean, it's an amazing venue. Um, it's, it's right up the road practically from me, but I agree, Bernard. I would love to put the ball in the, uh, in the little circle and yep. sleep in my car and <laughs> tee it up there. The old spiral. <laughs> the old spiral. All right, boys. So our 18th hole. Uh, final thoughts, Andy. Actually, before you do that, don't be that guy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the last last few weeks, I've seen this happen way too many times. And, you know, there, there's there's people who make a tee time. You know, there's a full tee sheet. Um, and they show up five, ten minutes late to their tee time and expect to be able to be slotted right in. Um and, it, and it's an unbelievable amount of, of disrespect and ignorance, really, when, when people, people don't get what a process it is to, to stay on time with your tea time. So, you know what? If you have a tea time and, you may, and you, you've made that tea time, show up. Don't be late. Don't be that guy. I'm going to try that next time I fly out of Philly. Go <laughs> five minutes late for that flight. Yeah, that, see if they see if they, see if they wait for me. That'll work. All right, Brent, you go first then. Closing final, thoughts. Final thoughts. I got two final thoughts. I'm excited about the Avion. Um, I really want to see an American, either Lexi or one of the quarters, do real well. Um, that's always a fun event. And then my other final thought, and maybe we can talk about this more in depth. I'd really like to in, in a future show. But as a golf coach, there's just so much cool technology and stuff out there for us to use with our students and and andy knows this company i'm really just loving this sports box 3d golf stuff this is just so cool to be able to take a regular video with your phone and have it turned into a model 3d model of your student right before you and just i my juniors really get this stuff like nothing i've used before and I've got, you know, 11 and 12 year olds that I'm using this with, and they're understanding how the body moves way better than I could explain it as a, as a coach. So that's my final thought. I just love the future of golf instruction right now. Andy, that's awesome to hear, Brendan, because it is an amazing technology. And it's one of those things that's visual and, and people can really understand it when they see it and use it. So. I appreciate you saying that. Um, so my final thought is uh, is about my my friend Rob Oppenheim, mm. who's Mister Bubble Boy, um, <laughs> goes back and forth between the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour one year to the next. Um, last week, Rob on Saturday made nine threes on the back nine, Ooh. and shot sixty. Wow. Um, was tied for the lead going into the last round. Uh, a top five would have got him his tour card for next year, and he kind of laid an egg, <laughs> unfortunately. But, you know, I think I think Rob's such a great guy. He was a guest on our show last year. Yep. And um, always, always, always rooting for Rob. And I'm sure he'll, he'll figure out somewhere down the stretch how to 
get one of those last spots and, and get back on, over to the big tour. So I got two final thoughts. One is when I put my broker's hat on, I got a great golf course up in Westchester County, New York. I would love to chat with some people about some great owners for sale, business owners looking to do something different. But I'm going to follow up my real point, something off of Brendan. We're doing our junior camp this week at uh, Eagle Ridge. And it is so rewarding to watch that thing have now grown. I think it's tenfold from where it was. And all the little golfers running around. Parents, if you want to give your kids the game of a lifetime, teach them golf. If you've listened this far into the show, you obviously love the game. Get your kids into it. Find a qualified instructor and get them out there. So on that note, Andy. Hit your long or don't don't hit your nine iron into a bush. That's that was one thing I was gonna say. <laughs> but hit it long and straight because I sure didn't this past week. <laughs> and it's way better than losing a dozen balls in the fescue. <laughs> you only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.